0: In the words of our founder, Hey folks, Austin here. Oh, wait, that's not right. I'm Tobias. Anyway... I hope you guys had a great holiday season, or in the very least, a pleasant December. This is our final podcast episode of the year 2022, and it's going to be something a little bit different than our normal format. In years past, on our website, thirdimpactanime.com, we would write these into the year posts. Ostensibly, this was meant to emulate all of those best-of yearly posts you would see all across the internet. But as we never really stuck to what we're known for, Japanese cartoons, or even stuff that was made that year, it was really more an accounting of our individual taste and recommendations for the few of you that actually care about our opinions. That was all fine and good, but then the pandemic hit and, well, all of our written output slowed down tremendously. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We are a podcast, after all. But that made me think, why not just bring back that yearly tradition in audio form? And that, dear listener, is what you have playing right now. I've had my fellow Third Impacters talk about their favorite things from 2022 and smush them all together into one big podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Coming up this next month, beginning of the new year, we have a new episode of A Grand Line Reborn as well as a review of the fall 2022 anime season that just wrapped up. I know this was a packed season and a few of us watched several shows, so we have a lot to talk about. We might also have a review of Shin Ultraman coming up near the end of the month, as that movie is getting a limited theatrical run here in the United States, but we'll have to see how the timing works out on that. It may be closer to uh, early February before we have that episode out. Regardless, look forward to those episodes in the future and enjoy the show.
1: Hi everyone, it's Ryan. Man, 2022 is already over, huh? Time's basically an enigma at this point, and while I was trying to write my list for this, I couldn't actually remember what came out when, so it took me a long time to actually figure out what to talk about. So first off, in the realm of anime, I've been in a burnout for anime for over a year, and I finally found a couple of shows that got me excited to watch stuff again. They're the obvious popular ones, Spy Family and Chainsaw Man. I love watching those two week to week, and I love all the characters in it. And I'm also keeping up with the new season of My Hero Academia, which so far has had a great season with no real downtime, which I'm really happy to see. This year was low on new anime for me, mostly because I'm trying to get back into the seasonal swing, which is hard because I don't like dedicating a ton of time to things if I don't know if it's going to be worth my time. In the realm of movies, there was Doctor Strange 2, which blew me away because we finally got to see Mr. Fantastic in the MCU, as well as a much darker story than any of the movies have tried before. I hope that Elizabeth Olsen gets nominated for Best Actress for her performance in this movie because I really think she deserves it. The Batman finally came out, which I was not convinced was ever actually going to happen because of how long the production on this movie was, but I really liked it. Robert Pattinson channeling Shadow the Hedgehog worked, and that's a real thing by the way. Google it. On the topic of Shadow the Hedgehog also, Sonic 2 came out, and I had a great time with that for what it was, and I can't wait to see Shadow and Sonic 3. Another one I watched this year was RRR which was a Bollywood action movie that was shockingly good. I was floored with how much I enjoyed it. It had some incredible choreography with both dance and fight scenes, which you normally don't see in the same movie. Go in blind for that movie and you'll have a great time. I also have to mention the movie of the year, Morbius. I still cannot believe that the internet gaslit a film company into re-releasing a movie because of memes. I watched this with friends over Twitch, and it was the only way that this movie was going to be remotely enjoyable, so if you want to watch it, do that. Don't actually spend any money on this movie. There was also a lot of good Western TV this year. Star Wars had a ton of shows. Tales of the Jedi was a fantastic miniseries that I really want to see more of with different characters in the future. Kenobi was the fan service that I've been waiting for for ages. I don't care if it was a predictable story. I wanted to see more Ewan McGregor, and I wanted to see Obi-Wan vs. Darth Vader, and that's what we got. Andor was far better than it had any business being, and it's probably the best thing Disney has done with Star Wars just because of how unique it is. My expectations for it were really low because I didn't care about the character at all in Rogue One, but I do now. It's basically an adult sci-fi show that happens to take place in the Star Wars universe. Also, even though Boba Fett was an average show, I still enjoyed it, and I loved The Mandalorian Season 2.5 episodes. I Am Groot was a fun little miniseries that my cousin actually worked on, and my family is excited to say that to anybody who will listen. Also, if you have Apple+, Plus, I recommend watching Severance immediately. It's a show that stars Adam Scott, who you may know as Ben Wyatt from Parks and Recreation, but it's in a super serious role, and the show is fantastic. I don't want to say too much about that one because you really need to experience that one on your own. Reacher was also a better adaptation than the Tom Cruise movie. I watched that with a friend and we both really enjoyed it. Lastly, Better Call Saul finally ended, and I loved the ending, which is really hard to say sometimes as endings are hard. It was a great show that was both a prequel and epilogue to Breaking Bad, and I'm glad it was made. My favorite part was when they finally confirmed what happened to Huel after Hank and Gomez left him in that room. Now for gaming. There is a lot for this that I did this year. I'm a retro gamer, so 80% of the things I played are not from 2022, so I'm not going to talk about those just to save time. But, I will take this moment to ask our listeners to join our Discord server and join us in harassing Austin to finish Chrono Trigger. As of recording, I've played 66 games this year, and I will also be doing a write-up on our website for those, so keep an eye out. With the Steam Deck coming out this year, I was able to play so much more on the go, and that console is absolutely fantastic for emulating. I played 15 games start to finish on that alone. Horizon Forbidden West was a highly anticipated game for me ever since I played the first one last year. I love the story, the gameplay is more of the same with a few new additions, and I cannot wait for the third one. I'm a little annoyed that they're locking the next game behind PSVR 2 because I really don't want to spend money on that. Tunic was a great Zelda clone that wound up doing its own unique thing really well. After finishing this, I felt more confident about my ability to play a game in a language I don't understand because of it and I also feel more confident in my ability to figure out what I need to do based on little context clues. Triangle Strategy definitely scratched the Tactics game itch for me, and currently that itch is also being scratched by the Front Mission remake and Tactics Ogre. It's a great time to be an RPG fan all around, and no Game Awards, I am not counting Elden Ring when I talk about RPGs. Live Alive, Live Alive, Live Alive, Live Alive, whatever you want to call it, finally came west. Playing that in HD2D with a modern soundtrack made it an incredible experience, and I honestly wish I could wipe my mind of it and start again from scratch. Each story had unique gameplay, which I thought was really cool, and it definitely feels its age in certain areas, but overall, I hope it sold well enough for them to consider doing something else in this genre, because I really enjoyed it. Pokemon Gen 9 is also out, and despite my initial hesitation because of how dull Generation 8 was, it's actually really fun and well done. I haven't finished yet, so post-game is still a concern for me, but so far I'm having a really good time. Kirby and the Forgotten Land did 3D Kirby way better than I ever imagined it could, and I absolutely love that game. It also has one of the best post-game Kirby experiences so far. Cuphead finally released its DLC, so I replayed the base game to prep for that because it was supposed to be pretty hard, and what a game that still is. It plays incredibly, and the DLC felt like a perfect cherry on top of it. And I remember when this was first announced, everyone was saying that it was going to be harder than the main game. But honestly, I disagree. It's just as hard as the main game. It adds a few new mechanics to keep it interesting. And the reason people probably thought it was going to be harder than the base game was because I assume most people didn't replay the base game like I did before it came out. So I was ready for it. Vampire Survivors was the little game that could, and it is the best value I have ever gotten for a game that cost me $3. I got 40 hours out of it, did every achievement, and also just finished the $2 DLC that came out. Go buy that game. They upped the price to $5, but it is worth every penny. That dev deserves to succeed. Plague Tale Requiem was another highly anticipated game for me. I believe it had the best narrative this year. The story was so well done and well acted. It did leagues better on gameplay this time around as well. More puzzles, better combat, better everything really. It felt like a true sequel. Now, the last two games I played this year are somewhat controversial, so bear with me. Sonic Frontiers was a solid 7 out of 10, which means for Sonic fans, it was a 10 out of 10, because we got a game that, while not perfect, was actually playable, which is huge for us. I thought the game was great. Played so much better on PC than on console. It had no pop-in on PC, whereas console, it happens every four seconds. Once I learned the new mechanics, I had a lot of fun. It is absolutely not your father's Sonic game, but it pays homage to all the ones that came before it, while delivering a passable story with fun levels and a decent open world. Last 2022 game for me is Gotham Knights. Now, I am a huge DC fan, so getting a game where I could play as the Bat Family, namely Nightwing, was so exciting for me. It plays similarly to the Arkham games, but it has a few differences of its own. If you go in knowing this game isn't going to be a sequel to the Arkham series, you will have a good time. And I still need to check out the raid content that just came out, so there may be even more great content left for this game. The story was absolutely fantastic. Batman dies, spoiler alert, they confirmed that when they released a trailer, it's not an actual spoiler. And you play as the Bat family trying to save Gotham in his stead. And it's a great story, I really enjoyed it. The story is easily the best part of that game, and the gameplay is not terrible, despite what everybody seems to be saying about it. 2022 started to feel like a more normal year content-wise, and I'm excited to see what 23 has in store beyond what we already know about. I'm gonna pass it off to the next guy now, so I hope you have a happy holidays and a great new year, or you're fired.
2: folks, this is Austin here with my Kotatsu Corner roundup of things that I thought were really cool that I either consumed or uh, read or watched or got to do in 2022 that were meaningful to me or entertaining in, in some way. And uh, I don't have a, like a super long list of things to go through, but I've got a, a decent list of things that I think were were pretty neat. And I think I want to start it off with saying a big like personal thing that happened for me this year that I think I've mentioned on the podcast before is that I uh, graduated with my master's degree in library and information science back in 2021, like in the in December. And then I got a job in my field just a couple of months later. So I'm really happy to say that, that I'm a librarian. Yay, that's fun. And it's a very rewarding uh, career path that I have enjoyed working in so far. And the library where I'm currently working has allowed me to uh, help them expand their manga and anime collection. So I'm getting to uh, spread positive Japanese media propaganda into the broader community. So that's fun. And on that note, I would like to say that if you have not gone to your local library and gotten yourself a library card, what are you waiting on? Go for it. Go ahead and do it. You don't know what cool things can lie behind the the key to happiness that is a library card. But I guess moving on to cool media stuff that I consumed and really enjoyed this year. Uh, first off is, of course, the movie that should be everybody's movie of the year, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which... Uh, Yes, that did come out this year, even though it feels like it came out, like, ages ago. Uh, I loved that movie. I got to see it in theaters twice. uh, Once for free, actually, because I was doing some volunteer work at a local, uh, like, independent movie theater that needed some, like, volunteer hours. And they did that as, like, their volunteer appreciation night. So I got to see it there, and it really and truly blew my socks off. I hadn't had that much fun in the movie theaters uh, in a long time, in, in a sense, where I could just walk away and be like, "Wow, that's like one of the best movies that I've ever seen in my life," and I still think that uh, I got to see it one other time in theaters, but I haven't watched it since it was out of theaters. I do have it on Blu-ray. I just haven't had a chance to revisit it. But like that movie rules. Like I think it completely lives up to all of the hype that it gets, and I thought the entire cast did like, uh, just a truly excellent job. Like there's so much range going on there from, uh, Michelle Yeoh to, um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kim Kilwan, If I'm saying that correctly and not butchering it, it was just a, a fantastically fun movie with like a lot to say about, like, about the, uh, like the Chinese American experience, which I admit, I don't know anything about, but it was really fascinating to see that on screen. And, uh, stuff like family dynamics and relationship troubles and all done through this, like, really over-the-top, visually insane martial arts kind of uh, explosion. And that movie rules. Again, go check it out if you haven't seen it yet. My first uh, anime and manga that I wanted to talk about that I really enjoyed this year is uh, Spy Family. So I got into reading the manga maybe, like, a few months before the anime came out, and I typically don't ever do that, but Spy Family, there was so much buzz around it, and I already had a subscription to the Shonen Jump app, so I thought, I'm just going to go ahead and give this a shot and compare it to the anime whenever it came out, and that was a fantastic decision because basically it means that I get two opportunities to enjoy Spy Family because it really does... It's just a very wholesome and enjoyable and very well-written comedy series, and the art is always on point, the jokes land consistently, and the way that they sort of uh, have to deal with the dynamics of, you know, everybody trying to keep their secrets and, you know fulfill their missions and whatnot while also trying to sort of be this makeshift family at the same time just it, it creates so much fun and so much intrigue and it's just it's just endlessly enjoyable like there's certain parts of it that i don't like as much like some of the side characters i think aren't necessarily for me but overall i think the story is incredibly enjoyable And reading the manga of something that I'm watching is typically not something that I ever do, but that's something that I'm going to keep up here for Spy Family because I just think it's that fun. I'm also basically doing the same thing for uh, Chainsaw Man as well, which I'm a little bit more behind on than I am with Spy Family, but I've also really enjoyed Chainsaw Man. And I'm I'm enjoying both of them as sort of like, this might sound weird, but like as a combo package where like whenever I started reading Spy Family and Chainsaw Man, I started reading both of them, like, around the same time. And I would, like, read a few chapters of Chainsaw Man and switch back over to Spy Family. And I found that that sort of mixture, that sort of alternation worked really well because Chainsaw Man can be, like, pretty heavy and, like, pretty, like, gritty at times. But uh, Spy Family is just, like, all entertaining fluff. And both of them have, like, very good pacing. So I find that they're good to sort of, like... You know, you have your sweet in one hand and have your salty in the other. So if you are if you haven't started either one and you wanted to check them both out, I would recommend the Austin method of watching both of them at the same time or reading both of them at the same time and sort of alternating back and forth. Probably the best anime that I watched all year was finally getting back into Better Call Saul. I really enjoyed Breaking Bad whenever it came out and I watched all of it like years ago. And then I watched like a season of Better Call Saul like five years ago, like maybe the first season, maybe a little bit of the second. And I distinctly remember watching a lot of it after I had my wisdom teeth taken out. So I don't know, like season one was just like a really weird uh, experience thinking back on it. But then I kind of dropped the show for, for a really long time until this year, whenever all of the hype was coming out around the final season coming out. So I basically like binge watched or not, not well, binge-watched for me, which means I watched it over the course of, like, three months, uh, most of the rest of the show except the final season, and I just found myself enjoying it, like, more and more. It's, uh, it's just a great uh, drama, and Bob Odenkirk and uh, the rest of the cast are just... Uh, they're just fantastic, and um I i mean, I think I'm honestly enjoying it just as much as I enjoyed Breaking Bad. I think it's on par with that. I think it's like a little bit more enjoyable to watch because it's not quite so harrowing as Breaking Bad tended to get. So I don't know. I mean, maybe Better Call Saul is better. I don't know. Is that a hot take? I feel like it might not be, but I'm really anticipating watching the final season whenever it does inevitably come out on Netflix, but I was... uh. Very, very much uh, enthralled with uh, watching the the tale of Jimmy McGill. Uh, a couple of video games that I really enjoyed this year were, of course, you know me being kind of the lone FromSoft sicko in the Third Impact anime uh, group and Discord community. Uh, I have thoroughly been enjoying Elden Ring this year, but I also mm-hmm. earlier this year got a chance to go back and finally put a lot of time into and beat Dark Souls Three. Which I had been uh, kind of not big on whenever it first came out, because I think I was trying to apply too much like bloodborne brain to the Dark Souls Three experience, but I finally got back to it, really sort of put my put my teeth to the grindstone. I don't think that's the phrase, but you know what I mean, and finally got through that game and thought it was just a thoroughly enjoyable beautiful experience uh from from beginning to end and sort of following it up with Elden Ring which in a lot of ways feels the mo it feels more like a dark souls follow up than it does like a follow up to bloodborne or sekiro or anything like that and i've just been having a blast with with Elden Ring in in a lot of ways it's kind of like a a very logical evolution of what you see in the other Souls games, except that there's just so much more that you can do. And I definitely admit that for me, I don't really always click with open world games very well, because I find them to be very overwhelming. And I always feel like I'm missing something or like, I don't know where to go next. And I'm definitely having a bit of that problem with Elden Ring. So I'm having to use a lot of Sort of online guides and video walkthroughs and tutorials and stuff to make sure that I'm not missing anything. But at the same time, I'm having a really good time sort of, you know, just enjoying sort of mindlessly wandering around the world and seeing who or what I will run into next and trying to figure out, you know, what the best way to approach a given situation is, which sometimes is in fact to run away, which is not really an option that you have in a lot of FromSoft games. Like they can be kind of like open-ish but very like corralled experiences where like if you wanted to progress like through the story, there's really only one direction to go. But Elden Ring, I mean it has that, but it's a lot more free in terms of like what you can choose to spend your time doing. Like, if you wanted to go, like, the completely opposite direction of your actual goal into another part of the map and explore that for, like, five to ten hours, like, there's going to be stuff over there for you to do. It's not just going to be like, oh, you haven't done X, Y, Z things, so you can't actually trigger anything else. I mean, sometimes you run into that, but most of the time you're pretty free to kind of do whatever you want within the parameters. It's a lot like Breath of the Wild, I guess, in that way. Not to compare everything to Breath of the Wild, but it is kinda of similar. Even though I feel like it's a little bit better than Breath of the Wild in terms of like the amount of things in the world that you actually can do. But I mean I'm not gonna go too deep into that. Anyway, Elden Ring, it's a blast. If it wins Game of the Year, I think it will deserve it. And as a from Soft Sicko, of course, I would think that. So I've been really enjoying it and you should check it out. Or Bloodborne. Either one. I'm not going to discuss them in too much detail, but I've also really enjoyed Ghostwire Tokyo and getting more into Resident Evil this year. I beat Resident Evil 2 and 3, the remakes, and I just downloaded the DLC for Resident Evil Village, the, uh, what do you call it, like Operation Rose? It's not called that, but it's something like that. And uh, I would like to shout out our compatriot Will Swishbear on YouTube because he's definitely helped keep my interest in Resident Evil peaked through his uh, ongoing YouTube series about Resident Evil and his other YouTube videos on other video game-related things. So, hey, that's another thing that I'm thankful for and enjoying this year is my buddy Will's YouTube channel. You should definitely check that out. I talked about this on the last Kotatsu Corner, but one of my favorite things that I got to do this year was going to see... My Chemical Romance in concert. And I won't recap that because you could just go listen to the last episode. But that was really fun. And then Tori and I got to go see Anastasia on stage. I think that was the first stage performance, like actual stage performance I had seen since the pandemic started. And that was very fun and enjoyable. It's really different from the Don Bluth animated movie. Like there's no wizard or anything. It's like they took a lot of the fantastical elements sort of out of it for the stage version. But I think I think it's it was still enjoyable. Like a lot of the songs are really good. So I would like to shout out Anastasia, and of course, rest in peace to Angela Lansbury and her incredible final role in uh, Glass Onion. I took a brief break from recording just now because I really wanted to have a cinnamon altoid. And I've been eating so many cinnamon altoids this year, it's, like, not even funny. Even if I had eaten not a lot of them, it still wouldn't be that funny, but still, I wanted to shout out also cinnamon altoids, because they are incredible. Okay, and since I don't want to take up too much more time, I'm just going to do, like, a quick roundup of some anime and movies that I really enjoyed this year, okay? Inuo, we did a whole podcast on that, loved that movie, got to see it twice in theaters, And I'm very excited to get the Blu-ray whenever that comes out. There's also Angaku Our Sound, which is another amazing anime movie about music and playing music together. It's very deadpan, very, very hilarious. I hope that it ends up on streaming at some point so people can check it out. But the scene where he's running around playing the recorder and trying not to get beaten up by the bullies, it's like an all-time great scene of anime, like period, forever. I have been greatly enjoying Part Six of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure: Stone Ocean, and the final chunk of that just dropped on Netflix like last week, earlier this week at the time of this recording. But I think it's 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 on up there in terms of which JoJo part I think is the best. I we'll have to see how it ends, but so far I'm just really in love with the cast overall. Like all of the characters are really enjoyable i feel like i'm clicking with them a little bit more than some of the extended cast in like parts four or five for example like the main trio of uh jolene ff and hermes are just uh they're just a great group and watching them sort of go up against these uh you know again jojo's nonsense sort of obstacles is uh, is never is never dull it's it's always enjoyable And it doesn't hurt either that I got to interview a couple of the English voice actresses that are in JoJo's uh, earlier this year at Queen City Anime Cons. But uh, I talked about that in that episode, but that's still definitely one of the highlights of my year. And you probably missed the Criterion sales at this point since all the Black Friday stuff is basically wrapped up, but next time there's a Criterion sale, you definitely need to pick up Hausu and Police Story. Those are probably the things from criterion that i watched this year finally that i enjoyed the most both were very very fun and i also watched a uh, very different than those two movies uh, inside lewin davis another criterion pick uh, coen brothers directed pick uh those all, all three i would recommend if next next time there's a criterion sale you should pick up all of those Going into some of my last picks, I definitely want to shout out Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, which is the first game that I beat whenever I got my PS5 last fall. I beat it, like, the second day of January, so, like, all the way at the beginning of this year. And I love Ratchet & Clank, so that game was uh, super fun to me. I kind of wish that they had gone in a little bit harder on the whole, like, Multiverse thing and kind of made that a little bit more interesting. But what we did get for what we have, I liked quite a lot. I hope it doesn't fall into the consistent ratchet and clank trap of like forgetting that certain cool side characters exist. And I hope that in future installments we get to see more of Rivet and Kit because I thought they were a lot of fun. Of course, Dr. Nefarious is a riot as always, as are. Uh, our titular Ratchet and our titular Clank. It's a really fun game. If you don't have any familiarity with Ratchet & Clank overall, I think that you could probably still play this game. It's not that long. It's only about eight hours long. And I'm really... It's, It's not perfect. It's... There are a lot of things in this game that I think are executed a lot better in other Ratchet & Clank games, but this was still a really fun package overall, and more Dr. Nefarious in my life is never a bad thing. Okay, my last two things. Number one is a podcast that, thank you Tobias, you introduced me to and finally got me to listen to more of. uh, The Insert Credit podcast. I may have mentioned that before on a few episodes back where we stole some ideas from them in our uh 2010s like best of movie episode. You can go back and listen to that one. I kind of stole the format that they used for that episode, but that's a really fun podcast. It uh has a bunch of um games industry veterans on there and like indie devs and uh Frank Cifaldi from the Video Game History Foundation is a co-host on there. And it's just like a really fun, breezy, enjoyable like comedic like q and a show with guys who have been in video steeped in video games for like decades at this point it's just a really fun show. I really vibe with their sense of humor and lastly is another friend recommendation from my buddy Jamie and that's uh Joe Para talks with you on h b o max It is a show that got two seasons and was sadly not renewed for a third uh starring this uh mild mannered upper midwest a choir teacher named Joe Para, who is played by comedian Joe Para, that Tori was oh-so-kind enough to surprise me with tickets to go see about a month ago uh, in doing a stand-up routine, and it was uh, hilarious. Uh, The guy on his face may not seem like he is the paragon of comedy that he is, but he truly is. It's very downplayed, very dry comedy that I uh, really enjoy and constantly has me rolling in, like, almost how anti-humor it kind of is but if you haven't checked out joe Parra talks with you i would highly recommend it i could probably keep going on and on about you know this or that movie or show or book that i checked out this year but i'm gonna go ahead and call it quits here i think you guys have heard me enough Uh, Going into 2023, what are some things that I want to check out? I want to uh, read more of the manga, watch more of the anime, and play more of the video games that I've already bought. So hopefully I can start to trim down my physical media collection slowly throughout this year. Does that mean that I will actually succeed? Absolutely not. I'm thinking I will 100% fail at this, but it's nice to go ahead and put it out there in the ether anyway. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Have a wonderful holiday season. Love you.
3: 优优独播剧场
4: Sarah with Third Impact Anime Um, and I'm here to share my 2022 favorites. Uh, There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, If I had to kind of describe and like fit 2022 into one sentence, I would say it's definitely the year of the sequels or the year of the comebacks. Um, There's a lot of sequels, revamps, some of which have been really um, long-awaited. So, like, I'm not really complaining, for the most part. Uh, I really liked a lot of the sequels that came out this year. But literally, if I'm looking at my current list, like, half of what's on here is some kind of sequel or continuation of a pre-existing thing. So, let's get into it. I'm just gonna rapid-fire, non-spoiler, general thoughts for you through these, and if you'd like more in-depth thoughts about something that i talk about hit up at ti anime on twitter or at third impact anime on instagram i think we have a mastodon now too maybe yeah i think we have like a beacons that has all of our stuff on it somewhere anyway let's go first up sequels attack on titan not so final season pretty good getting answers for titan things really cool things happen it gets crazy uh, Demon Slayer Entertainment Arc. If you want to know my thoughts on this, uh, go listen to our podcast episode that we did. Uh, I think like back in spring, summer, sometime. Um, Good. Nice. Fun. Good time. Can't wait for more. Komi-san Season 2. More of the same. Very cute, awkward girl. Very nice. I liked it. Devil is a Part-Timer. Finally, after years, got a Season 2. It's really good. It's a funny, funny show about uh devil and his minion getting reverse i guess it's reverse isekai when you're like fantasy going into real world right uh reverse isekai into uh japan and he has to work at mcdonald's to make rent it's great this one's got a little baby in it that drops out of the sky and they're like what the heck is happening um as far as non-sequels outside of ongoing stuff because honestly the ongoing stuff on this list is like 60 percent of my list I don't know what is up with the fall 2022 season, but it is insane out here right now. Um, But non-sequel things from the entire rest of the year is My Dress Up Darling. Very cute, very fun. Uh Really encapsulates, like, really neat cosplay slash sewing things that I like. Spy Family, I don't have to say anything about this. You've already heard about it. If you wanted to watch it, you either have already watched it or know you're going to watch it. If you don't want to watch it, why? <laughs> like... Give me a real reason to not watch it. Uh Shiki not just a cutie. Uh, I talked about this one and the next one which is Dance Dance Danceur in uh Spring 2022 podcast that I did with Third Impact Anime. Go listen to that. Shiki Mori's not just a cutie, is really great. at literally just taking tropes for romance shows and just snapping them in half, bending them backwards, twisting them in a little knot and being like, "Okay, <laughs> moving on." Um really fun, really cute. I love the vibrancy of the color in it. Dance 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 War is about high schoolers, ballet, drama. It's great. Lycoris Recoil is perhaps, I don't know though, because this season right now is crazy, my top anime of the year, potentially. It's just got great action, really good like jokes in it. It's got really good drama and interpersonal relationship things and it's basically just john wick with cute anime girls is what one of my friends michi always says and i fully agree um in the best possible way Uh, and yeah with that let's get into the ongoing things so again let's start with sequels um overlord i actually only ever watched the first season of but now that the fourth season came out the opening for that is so good that it literally made me go back and watch season two, which, oh my god, no wonder I quit on season two. Half of it is so boring. And then I've just now started season three, so I'm currently catching up on that. Pretty good. Uh, Spy Family season two is happening. Again, it's Spy Family. You've heard of it. It's an adoptive family of spies. So cute. Now they have a dog. It's amazing. I'm literally crying. Uh, my Hero Academia is season six. Finally... Things that I've been building up for the past couple seasons are like hitting the fan. Um, I'm so hype because I've heard little bits and pieces of what's to come and I'm very excited for it. Mob Psycho 100 is having its third season right now. Very cute. Very good. Uh, Yoamushi Petal. Yoa has a new season. That I didn't even know about because there are so many other things (laughs) happening this season. So I started it a little bit late, but I'm caught up now. Don't worry. And it hasn't had a new season again in like quite a few years. So that was kind of a surprise to me. I kind of thought it was done for a while. It's been like a solid three or four years with that one. Um, But they're back in it. They're biking along. Doing their little anime biking sports anime thing. Idolish 7. Still having anime rollout. It's still good. It's still so interesting and different for an idol anime. Because it's got these crazy relationships between the characters. And just scandal and intrigue and attempted murder. And (laughs) anything you could want out of an idol anime, right? That's sequels from just from this season that I have liked. Alright, now, in terms of, like, revamps or, like, new entities of existing properties, I have to start with Bleach the Thousand-Year Blood War. Because I literally was so obsessed with Bleach in middle school that it is what got me into watching subbed anime because the dub on Toonami... Uh, hit the Bount arc, which is a filler arc, by the way. It's, like, the first major filler arc. And I was like, this is stupid. And I know that the Japanese one is further along, so I'm just going to watch it subbed. And now here I am today on an anime podcast. And Thousand Year Blood War does uh, such a cool job of, like, just revamping the style of the animation in a way. That's really great. And, oh, my God, the soundtrack, the way that they took such iconic soundtrack pieces because bleach had a banger freaking soundtrack i think we can all agree on that no matter what you thought of it and just kind of doing these little like i don't want to call it like a remix but almost like a reimagining remix of like certain iconic tracks from the original show which i have found to be so good and i need that soundtrack on spotify i need to look up and see if it's on there because again bangers say, yatsura has a like new revamp thing i actually haven't watched anything from the original oopsie um but even though you can kind of tell it's still a little bit they've tried to modernize it like they have cell phones now wow but it's 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 still kind of a product of the time where it was created but i don't mind it too much it's been it's a fun little romp it's very vibrant in color um lum is the e-girl we all need in our lives really and yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm, you know, I'm down to watch more of it. Uh, Gundam, the witch of Mercury or the witch from Mercury. Really interesting. We love a girl who gets proposed to by girls and boys and they, thems and everybody. Um, I don't know anything about Gundam. I have not watched very much Gundam. Um, I've maybe seen random episodes here and there and clips. Uh, so this is my first foray. Yes, I'm only here because I thought it was completely gay, but down for more. Apparently it's getting a second season next year, which is cool, but also makes me kind of sad because that means there's not going to be like a conclusion for this one, which means it's probably going to be a little bit slow for this season, but I'm okay with it. Now, in terms of things that are getting a first season this season that I liked, we've got, uh, Chainsaw Man, um, much like Spy Family probably don't have to talk about this one you either are watching it or you're not and if you're not unlike spy family i completely understand um there's a man he's got a chainsaw head what more do you need to know blue lock is another one that i've really liked uh soccer but make it battle royale except nobody dies it's not a die thing it's just a your career is ruined thing i like it i like the conceit of it i like that it has more stakes to it than just like Ah, darn, it's the senior's last national championship. Like, because that kind of, it happens every time, right? So it's got a little bit more to it that I feel like has made it really interesting. Another one I've really liked is The Eminence in Shadow. It is isekai. If you're the kind of person who automatically hates isekai, don't worry about it. It's okay. It makes fun of isekai in a really funny way. And like, it's got a very Chunibyo kind of main protagonist who's like, simultaneously like i'm the best i'm the hottest shit ever and like oh but i want to make sure that like unless i'm my alter ego personality hero person that i want to definitely just be like the most side character side character of all time uh so it's got these insane action scenes but then it's also got a dude purposefully not dodging and taking like a billion hits and you're just like what is happening But it's good. Also, he has a harem, but not harem of a bunch of ladies who he tricked into chasing after a cult that he thought was fake, but was actually real. It's nutty. But yeah, I like it. Again, The Eminence in Shadow on High Dive, I believe. That's another thing is I finally caved and got a High Dive subscription this year because there was too much that was on High Dive that I was like, I need to watch it. Um, The final one from this year that I really liked is, uh, Boji the Rock. It's almost like a modern K-on. It's like, if somebody wrote K-on in 2020, it would be this, you know? Um, it's definitely based on a manga. It's definitely a little bit grungier than K-on, though. It's definitely a little bit, like, not, I, fu- I, I'm saying this and I love K-on so much. It's probably one of my favorite anime ever. Um, but it's definitely, not trying as hard to be super cute all of the time. It's not afraid to be a little bit weird. Um For some reason, it has you. Whoa, Yuru Camp? Yes. Vibes for me. But yeah, oh my god, I made it. I made it through my list. Woo! Another thing that happened this year that I really, really liked was that Macross movies were released in theaters in the US and I watched both the Macross Frontier movies and I cried in the theater about it and it was great um there's some stuff from this year that i haven't seen yet but i don't think i have time to list it a lot of the stuff i want to watch next year is sequels especially vinland saga 2 um i'm excited and uh i will say that overall i'm especially happy that animation studios aren't really shying away from sequels and especially that they're embracing spacing instead of filler i am excited for the fact that like maybe these things that have been promised sequels for years might actually get something even if it takes a couple years to get there you know Um, also very exciting to see just the way that anime and manga have become basically mainstream media staples at this point in the past couple of years, probably mostly thanks to, you know, so much social media and TikTok during 2020 and people just wanting new things to consume. And oh my God, there's so much anime out there, right? It's been really fun to just kind of see what people like and what people think if they haven't really been into it for years and years. Also, I need to go to a convention. I haven't been able to go to an anime con at all this year because I finally got a full-time job and unfortunately I do work weekends with it. But it's so nice to see con culture really staying alive and especially when cons are being run responsibly and safely because, again, COVID is still a thing, but we found ways to, like, you know control it a little bit so make sure you get your boosters if you want them if you need them if you want to go do things you want to go do the fun things um and yeah let's have a great 2023 maybe i'll be in three podcasts next year oh who knows um and yeah if you want to follow me i'm at unique x harmony on twitter and yeah i guess i'm gonna just pass it on to the next person now hey next person it's your turn what did you like what did you like in 2022 was it the good stuff oh good yeah i like that too okay bye
0: okay I guess I have to do one of these as well all right well let's see let's let's go ahead and cover this by topic shall we so right off the bat let's see what are my favorite anime of this year I didn't really watch a whole lot at the beginning of the year I think the the first thing that really stuck out to me was the spring season which we did a whole podcast episode on you should go listen to that it was great but your boy Kong Ming and Birdie Wing were the two standout shows for me that season. I think Kong Ming in particular really resonated with me. Uh, and Birdie Wing, we do have season two coming up in April, almost a uh, full year since it started this year. So we'll have to see how that continues. I'm really looking forward to that. But then it was really this fall season where, oh boy, there were a ton of shows that were really worthwhile. Uh, of course, we have Chainsaw Man, everyone's favorite. Uh, I ended up reading the manga, binging through the manga, way back in January, so that technically still was this year. Uh, I was really glad to see this anime adaptation really knock it out of the park. I was uh, a bit hesitant on it the first two episodes. I just wasn't quite resonating with me. It didn't really feel that much like the manga at first, but... From episode three onward, I think it's really caught its stride and really have enjoyed it thus far. I think the uh, last episode just came out today, so I'm going to have to watch that after I finish this recording. And man, I can't wait until season two and whatever, however that goes, whenever it comes out, uh, Chainsaw Man is here to stay. What I wasn't really expecting this season was uh, two shows about high school girls doing things. That's not typically a genre that I go out of my way to care about, but both Bochi the Rock and DIY Do-It-Yourself uh, really came out of left field and surprised me. Both of these shows had really great animation, uh, little segments for soccer Gunners like myself, uh, Bochi was just full of charm in the way that portrayed the main character and her social anxiety and both the people around her that are pushing her to become a better person. DIY was more of a low-key, low-stakes, Yashike series, and you know, it It did exactly what it needed to do. It was a lot of fun, it was very cute, and yeah, not really much to say about that other than that. both that, both the do-it-yourself, and Bochi surprised me. And I couldn't really get away without mentioning Pop Team Epic, of course. Uh, season 2 was one of my favorites from way back in, what, 2017, 2018 when it came out. And this Season 2 recaptured the magic. It was somehow just as good as Season 1. Uh, I continue to love how odd the series is in and off the wall it is. Uh, not every segment has to be a winner, but the way it comes together is one whole package. Uh, Pop Team Epic is a whole lot of fun. let's go ahead and move on to games. So I don't think I played uh, as many video games this year as I have in years past, but a few did stick out to me. Like most people, I got hooked on Vampire Survivors pretty early. This was just a very addicting, it's hard to describe. I think action roguelike is the uh, current descriptor that most people would go with. It's really something you need to play to experience, but I'm pretty sure most of you, at least at this point, have heard of, if not also become addicted to this game. It's just a very easy game to pick up, put a few minutes into, you know, up to the 30-minute timer that these rounds usually last. It's um, it's just the way you mix and match these powers and see the, the craziness that happens on the screen with all the enemies. It reminds me in a lot of ways of like the Dynasty Warriors style games where there's just tons of people throwing themselves at you and you just... Wiping them across the board. It's just just addicting fun in a way that I just haven't felt in a game for quite some while. But speaking of addicting fun, I guess I should mention my Final Fantasy XIV experience this year. Now, I'm going to keep this brief because I know that we have a whole other podcast just about this. And this is going to be relatively spoiler-free. But I did finish Stormblood this year. It seems like every year since the pandemic started, I've, I've gone through... One of the expansions for for Final Fantasy fourteen and Stormblood was this year. Uh, for me, this has always seemed like the the middle child of the family, something that doesn't really get the love that, say, Heavensward and its older brother, or Shadowbringers and Endwalker, its younger twins, received. And I think because that was so unhyped to me, I enjoyed it more because of that. And because I've what I'm in my third year of being a Final Fantasy XIV psycho, I've really had time to let these characters and this story really seep in and take hold in my enjoyment of the game. Uh, Stormblood is all about resolving the Alamigo and Doma storylines that we've had way back at the beginning of the game. So these are stories that we've seen coming for a long, long time. And it was just great to see those resolutions come to fruition, even if they were a little to be expected. Speaking of Doma, this was kind of the generic Asian setting where you have aspects of Chinese, uh, Japanese, and Mongolian cultures all sort of smushed together in one setting. And I can see how that might seem a little stereotypical to a lot of people, but it just worked for me. And I think a lot of that was I would spent so much time in Eorzea that I was ready for something new. And I think the way all of those sort of disparate Asian cultures m- mixed together really worked for me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Like I said, I've been doing these about once a year. I really hope that I can stick to the the grindstone and finish the game in a couple months because I'm currently planning on going to FanFest uh, in July. So I have, what, about seven months to burn through the rest of Shadowbringers and complete Endwalker. Let's hope I can do it. But Speaking of Final Fantasy XIV, I also want to... Uh, bring up a nod to our side podcast, The Grand Lion Reborn. For those of you who somehow haven't been listening to these episodes already, uh, Bill and I dare to engage with each other's favorite long-form media. He's been playing Fourteen and I've been reading The One Piece manga. On the one hand, it's been nice to see someone start this game with fresh eyes. It makes me feel like I'm the veteran, even though I haven't actually beaten all these expansions yet. And it sort of led to a few of us going through and sort of helping Bill out in a way that opened up our camaraderie and made our Discord even feel like a more open place. We've had a lot of uh, voice calls running dungeons and whatnot, and it's been a lot of fun that I think uh, I've been kind of missing. And on the other hand, uh, finally sitting down with this monster franchise that I've heard about for nearly multiple decades at this point and actually experiencing it has been refreshing to me as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say One Piece is like, my favorite thing of all time. I've been reading a lot of uh, a lot more manga this year, and I think One Piece is part of it. But what is really good is sitting down with a shonen series like this, something I haven't done in in a long time now, and and revisiting this format with a new series. I'm not going back and rewatching shows as my youth. I'm rewatching this format of stuff that I grew up watching. So it's been kind of refreshing to to experience that again. Okay, and lastly, let's talk over some of the live-action media that I've experienced this year. So right off the bat, beginning of the year, everything, everywhere, all at once. Wow. Amazing. I, I just, There's nothing I can say about this movie that has not already been said a hundred times. Uh, by this point, you had to have seen it, or if you haven't, please go watch it. It is just a completely—wow, how do I even—I can't even say it here. Uh, it is just a wild movie. You never know what to expect. From minute one, it goes all over the place, goes back in on itself. It is an experience that you have to, have to go watch. Easily my favorite film of this show. A few months later, I also sat down and watched Tampopo, uh, a classic film. Uh, It's it's basically a tribute to uh, not only ramen, but food culture as a whole, sort of told through this Western format. It's very interesting, and while I had heard a lot of people talk about it over the years, and as one of those you know must-see films, I just kind of always avoided it for some reason. And I'm glad that I sat down and watched it because it, it became a uh, a new favorite of mine. But then, most recently, Glass Onion, I actually got to see this in theaters around Thanksgiving weekend, the limited run that Netflix did, but it just started streaming uh, broadly last week right before Christmas, and I'm so glad that a lot of people have been able to experience this. I really enjoyed Knives Out when I saw it back in 2019, really liked Last and felt like it was a great continuation. I Right when they first announced these movies, I was ready for more Benoit Blanc stories, and I'm so glad that this lived up to the hype, and we will continue to watch these films in the future as they put them out. Uh, With regards to non-anime television, I watched a couple shows this year. I started off by watching The Sopranos, a show that I never really watched growing up, but I've heard a lot of good things about. I'm still about a season away from finishing it, but that's been a really enjoyable experience, honestly. Uh, Peacemaker, also, on HBO Max earlier in the year, and I I think it's honestly one of my favorite superhero things of the past few years. It really surprised me with this character that I had really no idea about, what really did blew me away this year, in particular, was the Andor. Now, I'll be honest. After the Book of Boba Fett and the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, I was, again, done with Star Wars. <laughs> the movies haven't been great. The TV series, you know, we're, The Mandalorian's been pretty good, but the, uh, these other ones have not. And I really was not expecting Andor to be anything, considering that it was about this one-off character from Rogue One. I'm so glad to report, however, that that was not the case. Andor somehow turned out to be the best Star Wars property since the original trilogy. I can confidently say that. And, man, there's just so much to say about this. It is, It both feels unlike anything that's come before in the Star Wars universe, while also feeling very familiar to anybody that has read those original novels and really cared about the expanded universe stuff from way back before we even knew we were going to get episode one. It is an exploration of that segment of this fictional universe that hasn't really shown through in a long, long time. The writing on this show is fantastic. These characters feel a lot better written than anything in Star Wars, even the original trilogy. The music is completely different than John Williams' original score. It but still hits home so hard. Another thing that I really like about this show is that it doesn't sugarcoat the villains at all. The Empire is not just a bunch of goofy guys in white armor. These are actual fascists, and we see some horrifying things portrayed on screen that are not just goofy and villainous behavior. It really drives home this aspect. This really is, this really does feel like a spy series just as much as a space opera series, a a way that a lens that really hasn't been pushed on this universe at all. And I think it works. It feels, feels so fresh and familiar. If you had told 11 year old me that the recent star Wars thing I would be into was about Mon Mothma, I would not have believed you, but even that character a person that got a single shout out, you know, was in one scene in one movie. He's got this very complicated and engaging backstory. It's just, wow. Again, if you have been like me and maybe you become disillusioned with Star Wars ever since Disney got a hold of it, please go watch Andor. It is absolutely worth your time. Don't listen to the chuds out there. Andor is peak television. Alright, well I know that I experienced a lot more media than just thought, but I feel like that rambled long enough, so let's go ahead and kick it over to the next person. Why don't we?
3: <laughs> hey
5: everybody it's me Andrew of the third impact anime podcast uh, I'm not around or on all that much but uh know that I'm still here and still existing and I had a pretty good 2022 in terms of uh you know content and enjoying things uh i picked three things from this year that really stood out to me um and two of them didn't even come from this year so uh actually i'll mention an honorable mention first um the jordan peele movie nope narrowly missed the list but i really really enjoyed that a lot um and that was something that was from this year That I really, really enjoyed because it was like a great, cool take on monster movies. So, uh, throw in the honorable mention there. Jordan Peele's nope, very, very good. Okay, so I'll start with probably my favorite thing that came out of this year, uh, and it was the cross-data system travel uh, that came in Final Fantasy XIV Online. Uh, If you follow on the Third Impact anime, uh, Discord, uh, you'll know that uh, I'm a particular fan of Final Fantasy fourteen and uh, so, but I've always there's always been that barrier uh, between myself and other players, be it on the Discord or in other Discords that uh, have been the, the data centers themselves. Previously, you couldn't travel from Zalera, for instance, on Crystal to Leviathan on primal right so as a as someone who plays on crystal you know i was kind of sad that i wasn't able to play with all of my primal friends um but luckily in march of this year that barrier was broken down so i was able to come over and have some fun experiences meet some new people on leviathan on primal and uh so i very much very much enjoyed that uh as a part of all that um a grand line reborn of course is going on on the third impact anime sphere and you can follow it directly on the discord. Um, and so being able to see, uh, bill experience, uh, final fantasy 14 for the first time and to get into it really was awesome for me to watch. Uh, cause I remember my experiences getting into this MMO and as someone who had never really gotten into any other MMO, uh, made me really happy to kind of see bill experiencing the things that uh i experienced for the first time and um you know it was really really fun to you know follow his project trajectory from like sustasha and copper bell mines all the way to finishing the crystal tower series you know which is and it, that's more like a hundred hours of game time uh And so that was really, really nice to see. And then we threw a little party for him uh, at my house on Crystal um, when he beat the game, when he beat A Realm Reborn. And so that was really, really, really uh, quite fun. Uh, Oh, uh, Bill, uh, I still have 2 million gil for you, so you need to come off free trial as soon as possible so I don't spend your 2 million gil... And forget about it, so make sure that you remind me that I do have your money. I promise I remember, but there's no guarantee that I'll remember forever. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Um, my second thing on my list is kind of interesting. Uh uh Destiny 2. Yeah, Destiny 2. Uh it's one of those things that a couple of my friends were sort of getting into uh, as the year progressed and I kind of got roped into all that and sort of more or less committed to playing Destiny 2 for the duration of a season. Um, and so I did that. And honestly, uh, in terms of like the mechanical functions of an FPS, I really, really like Destiny 2's gameplay. Uh, I think that what they've done with the majority of the different classes and the different spec loadouts that you can do in that game uh, has made it one of the best shooter games on the market. Now, I'm saying that mechanically. I'm not saying that in terms of business practices because there's a bunch of business practices that Destiny does and Bungie does that I don't like. Like, for instance, you almost have to have all of the expansions in order to complete all of the content that goes alongside of, alongside of all those expansions, but you can't play the expansions themselves. They're all locked away behind a fake wall, just because that's not what's going on in the story right now. It's very strange. I don't really understand why I can't go back and play previous expansions, um, but nevertheless, I digress, but you almost have to have all of the expansions in order to be able to play and raid and do all the content get all the weapons that you need in order to have a competitive build for lack of a better term in that game Um, and as someone who doesn't really overly enjoy like making builds and grinding for gear uh, I didn't really hate that as much as I thought I would uh, playing Destiny 2 and honestly of the dungeons and the raids and all the stuff, all the, like, the world events, the world spawn events uh, that you get to do in that game. It's some of the most fun I've had like raiding in a video game. Uh, now, that's not to take away anything from Final Fantasy XIV's dungeons or raids, uh, but I think just the more dynamic gameplay that comes with a first-person shooter game kind of scratched a different itch for me. Um, and being able to raid in that game as well was... was really really pretty fun and uh was a nice sort of divergent experience to uh the typical mmo style of uh of raiding and dungeons and uh it was something that i enjoyed at least for one season now i probably won't keep playing it um for another season i may pick it back up when the new expansion comes out but uh i'm probably just gonna take a break from it for a while uh play some different stuff uh Valheim, another honorable mention, Valheim, the Mistlands expansion just came out, and so I've um, been messing around with that, playing that, it's been a lot of fun, so I'll probably fill in the gaps with a few different games, not play as much Destiny 2, and maybe until the next expansion comes out. The last thing on my list is something that I really didn't think uh, I would have that much interest in, um, pre-launch, and that's Warhammer 40k Darktide. Um... I really, really liked uh, Vermintide, um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Vermintide and Darktide are both sort of uh, Left for Dead clones uh, in the Warhammer universe. Um, Vermintide is in the traditional Warhammer universe, and then Darktide is in the 40k universe, which takes place in the year 40,000. Um, and honestly, Darktide has been just a heck of a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's almost like they took um, the Vermintide mold and gave it guns, <laughs> essentially gave it guns and grenade launchers and silly stuff, um, which I've liked a lot. And uh, as somebody who doesn't really have any connection to the 40k universe outside of, or the sorry, the Warhammer universe uh, outside of uh, Vermintide and the Total War games, I think i played. Uh, Warhammer 2 Total War, uh, and it was fine. I didn't really enjoy it a ton, but it was okay. Um, I've really, really enjoyed this universe in this game. Um, but in terms of world building and cohesion of a story and a space together, um, Darktide really builds an excellent atmosphere, an excellent, cohesive world that I have really not had a parallel to in gaming um well at least not recently that's why it stands out so much to me like the characters are very very fun and very very interesting the set pieces the world design again very very fun very very interesting and everything kind of ties in with itself and it creates a really really cohesive and consistent uh experience um it's also really dumb and really silly, and I really like that you could just kind of, I don't know, have a team of four Ogren walking around, and Ogren are these big burly dudes, um, you know, lobbing grenade boxes pe- at people because they don't know that you're supposed to pull the pin on the grenade and throw the grenade and it explodes. No, they just throw the whole box of grenades at people because, of course, they do. And then you have these big like, thumper grenade launchers that hit people, like, hit enemies, like, bowling balls, and then explode afterwards, and they're all running around calling each other pal. Or pal, because they're all ogren, and that's what they all call each other. Um, It just makes for some really, really entertaining nonsense, and uh, that's just been a really, really nice, fun experience for me. Um, Dark Tide is free on Game Pass, so if you liked Back for Blood or you liked Left for Dead, um absolutely give Dark Tide a try. Uh it's a very very interesting take on that gameplay. It's a very very pretty game. Uh got a really interesting world if you like sort of space uh fantasy. Uh it's really really quite neat. Um sadly the only caveat to that is that if you own the Game Pass version you cannot currently play with people who own the steam version of the game. So, it's a little bit sad, but hopefully hopefully they'll integrate that at some point sooner rather than later so all the game pass people can play with their steam friends, right? So, that's kind of my top 3 favorite things of 2022 there's some other stuff that i could have put on the list like i mentioned earlier nope was was one uh and then valheim mislands that just came out recently would have been one had i been able to sink more time into it before before recording this but uh but yeah pretty good year for games pretty good year for content um i haven't consumed an overly large amount of things this year but uh again it's been a it's been a pretty good year so far and um am happy to kind of have another year of third impact in the community has been really really nice to be a part of so thanks all and have a nice 2023
6: Hello everyone, it's Bill, and I'm here to talk about my favorite things about 2022. This is going to not be any anime talk this time, as we're probably going to do something about our favorite animes from this past season, and that's what we mainly talk about on the podcast. So I got three things that really kept me engaged this year, and we'll uh, get to them. So... The first thing is I haven't really been into a lot of games this year um, due to, I don't know, apathy, due to me not being as engaged. Everything's been a bit of start-stops, excluding maybe Marvel Snap, but I don't really count that because it's on mobile when it's, it's turn-your-brain-off game. The only real game that I got really invested in this year was a fantastic beat-em-up called uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. Now, I didn't really grow up as a TMNT fan. Uh, I knew about them. I saw the cartoons here and there when they were on TV. And I've seen the 90s movie a lot because my cousins were really into it. But it wasn't something that I was really into. But uh, I heard about this, or my brother did. And we got really into beat 'em ups this year. And he said, "Hey, let's! I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get this." And we just had a blast. It's a really fun em up. It has some great, like, uh, two D looking sprite work. The music is done by uh, T. Lopes, who did the music for Sonic Mania. And there's some great guest spots, like Mega Rand, who's a really good nerd rapper, and members of the Wu Tang Clan, like Ghostface Killer and Raquan, which is really cool. Uh, if you are a Team fan, there's a lot of callbacks to. Uh, TMNT TV and the cartoons and movies and the other beat 'em ups that people grew up with like Hyperstone Heist and Turtles in Time. I love some of the animations in it. Like, you can pick up an enemy and throw it at your TV screen, which then they kind of faceplant against the screen, which is a really uh, nice feature. And just all the little callbacks uh, to the series. You can tell that the developers really loved uh, the TMNT franchise and really uh, took a lot of care into the game they were making. And I would say just you add this to the ongoing list of great modern beat-em-ups such as like Scott Pilgrim uh, Streets of Rage 4 uh, which was released maybe a year ago. That's also really good. Um, so it just keeps just keeps adding to the list and beat-em-ups are great uh, co-op couch play. Hank and I, my brother Hank and I had a lot of fun playing TMNT, and we'll probably do even more beat-em-ups into next year. So my second thing is a bit nerdy, and isn't going to make a lot of sense, but I got really into cataloging. (laughs) Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, I mean that I would use services like Letterbox or Goodreads, and I would just love being able to document um, what movie or what comic or what book I read and put a little uh, star rating and then do a little blurb review. It's really engaged me to watch more movies and to finally get through my comic book backlog. In terms of my movies, I think Letterbox is... A strong reason why I've been watching a lot of noir thrillers from the 50s and the 40s. And why i watched a lot of classic uh, cinema from Hong Kong, Japan, and uh, the greater mainland of China. And also Taiwan. With great films like Dragon Inn, and Police Story, and uh, Empire of Passions just a fantastic movies and I think Letterbox really got me into it and kept me engaged whereas usually I would get into something and then kinda of get a little tired of it. But I think having uh Letterbox really kept me engaged. I even upgraded to Letterbox Probe with how often I'm writing my little blurb reviews and my thoughts on movies. And thanks to my my use of Letterbox. I'm also starting to now finally use Goodreads. Now I know people hate Amazon, and if I could find an alternative to Goodreads, maybe let me know on Twitter at wbforman999 or maybe email us or contact me on Letterbox. I I I've been really having a problem where I would buy comic book humble bundles or I'd buy books on like comicsology, and then I would buy them maybe glance at a few pages and not read them but now that I'm more actively proactively using Goodreads it's getting me to read the books that I've bought over the past number of years and making me feel not so bad spending all this money on sequential art and uh, the comic book medium and manga just them sitting there in files <laughs> Uh, But I've been enjoying it, and it's kind of opened me up to kind of what I like about comics, what I don't like. Like, if there's a book that doesn't have really good interior art, I will probably drop it. Because, uh, unlike movies or TV, if you don't have a good artist in terms of your sequential art to tell your story, then uh, it's going to be a real difficulty, even if you're telling the most greatest epic known to man. But yeah, cataloging, uh, my movie watching and what I read, uh, especially comics and manga, has been a really fun and engaging thing for me. It just hammers home how nerdy I am, I guess. Final thing that I was really engaged with was a book by Boss Fight Books. Golden Eye 007 by Alice Kaur. Now, if you don't know who Boss Fight Books is, they're an indie publisher that publishes usually oral histories or examinations of classic video games. They've done books on Chrono Triggers, Final Fantasy V, Earthbound, Silent Hill 2, and a number of other books. And this was the first book in the Boss Fight Book series that I've read, because Goldeneye is one of the earliest games I played as a kid. It's a big uh, nostalgia roast to glasses game for me. And I didn't really know a lot about the development of GoldenEye. And I think Alice Cor does a fantastic job examining how GoldenEye 007 on the N64 came to be uh, talking to uh, multiple developers on the team. And t- telling some really interesting stories and a- anecdotes. Like how multiplayer was a last minute addition that they <laughs> did Right before their deadline, how Shigeru Miyamoto did uh, a little feedback commentary where he said, maybe James Bond, after shooting all the soldiers and guards, should visit them in a hospital in like a post credit scene and give them flowers. <laughs> or how, at one point, because of so many delays, because the the game was supposed to come out around 1995, the same time as the movie, and didn't come out until 1997. Nintendo eventually cut off funding, and Rare, the developer themselves, kept the funding going, which is pretty crazy to think of. But it was a blast to read. I think I read it in under three days because of just how engaged I was, and it was great oral history. I'm definitely going to go through the Boss Fight book catalog and see if there's any other games that they've covered that I'm interested in. There's a couple off the top of my head that I know I would be interested to read about, like Knights of the Old Republic, the Bioware game, not the MMO. And I hope in the future they do some other nostalgic favorites of mine. Maybe Psychonauts? That would be really cool. But who knows? Uh, You never know what they're planning, and they're always taking pitches from other people, but, uh, yeah, GoldenEye 007 by Alice Corps, published by Boss Fight Books, was excellent. Anyway, that was my, some of my favorite things of this past year. I hope whoever's listening to this, you also had a great year and enjoyed, uh, movies or TV or, uh, comics or anime.
3: Even
0: well how about that anyway let's go ahead and move on to our next oh wait wait oh we're done okay no more huh well i want to thank you guys for listening to our last episode of the third impact anime podcast in the year 2022 I have been your host, Tobias, and we have had recordings from Sarah, and Andrew, and Austin, and Bill, and Ryan. I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we have a few new episodes coming out in January. We have a new episode of A Grand Line Reborn. We have a review of the Fall 2022 anime season. And we've got a review of the Shin Ultraman movie, uh, rounding off our January. So stay tuned for that. If uh you just can't wait for those next episodes and need some more Third Impact, uh and need some more Third Impact right now, you can head over to our Discord. A link to which you can find on our website, thirdimpactanime.com. It has links to the Discord, it has links to our Patreon where you can kick us over a few dollars per month to get inclusive role in the aforementioned discord as well as access to our producer only channel as well as our eternal love we are also on social media if that's more of your thing you can find us on facebook under third impact anime we are on twitter still somehow Uh, our handle being at ti underscore anime we are on Mastodon. You should be able to find that as a search of third impact anime. I believe we're on the basic Mastodon social instance as well. We will have links to all of these platforms as well as our individual social media listed in the show notes, which again, if they are not properly attached to this audio episode, you can find at thirdimpactanime.com. Well we wanna thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast these past few years. It's been quite a journey, but we are glad to still all be here and still be doing this goofy Japanese cartoon podcast. Thank you all once again and have a great day.